The world isn't simple anymore. And on the Walden Pond podcast, your host, anti-fraud expert Vince Walden, is talking to experts about the technology and compliance trends you need to know about to keep your compliance and fraud detection programs relevant. If you're looking for insights that are practical, timely, and innovative, welcome to The Pond. Welcome to The Pond. I'm your host, Vincent Walden, coming to you on the Compliance Podcast Network. With me today is my friend, Ernie Broad, with Alvarez and Marcel's Disputes and Investigations Practice, and really a legend when it comes to compliance, third-party due diligence, and asset tracing. So welcome, Ernie. Glad to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Vince. I'm so pleased to be with you. Yeah, thank you for taking the time. And before we get started, as the audience knows, I'd like to start and open up with a quote from our mascot, Henry David Thoreau. And, you know, it's funny, I was doing research. The topic today is background checks and third-party due diligence. And I thought, well, 150 years ago, Thoreau probably didn't have to worry too much about background checks and risks and compliance in that way. And he said, my enemies are worms, cool days, and most of all, woodchucks. So I guess when you're sitting out on the pond 150 years ago, those are your enemies. It's a different world out there. <laughs> so know your enemies, huh? And your enemies are definitely not worms, although they could be. <laughs> They're wormy people. There is some crossover. Yeah, that's right. Well, let's get started on, I can't wait to talk about some of these new technologies and capabilities that are just redefining how due diligence is done. But first, let's hear about a little bit about your background and how you became an expert in this kind of leading edge intelligence. Sure. I'm a lawyer by training, but always wanted to be a journalist. And my career shows that arc from the legal side to the investigative side, which is a bit of a of a return to my journalism love. But I, I started out after law school as an attorney investigator at the Federal Trade Commission, then moved into the private sector, first as general counsel and then as a senior business executive of an international telecom company. Then kind of found my way to Kroll Associates, which was at the early stages of creating a professionalized global corporate investigation service as a successor to a lot of retired cops and FBI people who were trying to do a bit of this work out of their uh, garages um, and, and played a, a fairly major role with others in, in shaping how the corporate investigations business developed and what it became. After 15, 16 years at, at Kroll, I became head of corporate investigations, first at Deloitte, then at uh, Navigant Consulting, and for the last 10 years here at Alvarez, where we have a, a team of people around the world with a, a network of outside sources, and we find facts about people and companies and circumstances and situations anywhere in the world. We've worked in 71 countries in the recent years. Wow. So that's what brings me to the point of finding and utilizing technology-based services to supplement the kinds of traditional types of services that I've been doing for so many years. Wow. You know, this is what's interesting is, you know, I always thought, you know, due diligence and background intelligence, to me, it was always public record searches. And I think the audience, when they hear third-party due diligence, they think, all right, public record searches, which is fine. You know, everybody does that. 
But what we're talking about, again, of course you do that. But recently in our discussions, which I thought was such a great show topic, you described some of the technologies that you're incorporating around web intelligence, bank intelligence, contact intelligence, and location geospatial intelligence. And maybe could you briefly describe what each of those are to the audience, of, starting with perhaps web intelligence? Sure. Vince, all four of them are a, a wonderful contrast to the uh, earlier, more traditional days when we were doing just public records supplemented by dumpster diving, finding, finding things <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the trash and trying to paste them together, which was sometimes useful, but, but always messy, and surveillance, following people around. So contrast those with the four intelligence services that you just mentioned. Starting with web intelligence. Web intelligence is an artificial intelligence-powered software that enables us to penetrate parts of the web which are not generally available to traditional searches. We're looking at social networks and other sites which are not indexed on Google and therefore Mm. really hard to get to. We're talking about the underside of the web, the deep web, the dark web, sites that have gotten recent publicity like Parler, And it's a wonderful enhancement of our public record research capability and has become an important piece of almost every kind of of work that we do today, from due diligence background to litigation intelligence to asset searches to theft of trade secrets, et cetera. That's web intelligence. Bank intelligence, which is really cool in another way, gives us a capability of telling whether there has been contact between a person whose assets we're looking for and a bank anywhere in the world. Often the starting point is, here's a person, we see some of his local assets, but it's clear that he's been hiding assets around the world. We don't know where to start to look. We don't know where to serve subpoenas, etc. What we do is start with his email address, turn that into a code, and bounce that code against our database of every bank in the world. Absolutely every bank in the world, 250,000 banks. Wow, that's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot of banks. The 249,995 that he has not been in touch with will just refuse that code approach, but five of them will accept, meaning there has been contact between that email address and that bank. We know nothing more than the the fact that there's been contact. We can't penetrate the accounts and see what activity there's been in the accounts. We can't tell how frequently there's been communications between the person and that bank. We can't tell how recent it has been, but we can tell you that there has been activity which is a a wonderful piece of intelligence in assets search cases. Yeah, talk about finding a needle in a haystack, being able to, you're saying if you have my address in my email or my email address, you can report back on all the banks that I might've communicated with over the past couple of years. Not might have, Vince, we know you've communicated. You know, yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah, you don't know what I did, but you know that it can exclude thousands of banks. But and focus on the ones that matter. 
Exactly. So, wow. Yeah, gosh, that's great. It's really cool. Now, contact intelligence is an offshoot of the same kind of technological capability. So we start with an email address, and instead of bouncing it across 250,000 banks, we bounce it across another person's email. So that if you have reason to believe, let's say someone in your company has been exposing inside information about your company to uh, a journalist or a, the possibility of a small group of journalists because they've all been writing about your company and the possibility of a small group in your company who have the capability of leaking that stuff. Start with the email addresses of the two or three people you suspect bounce those email addresses against the emails of the two or three journalists you suspect and see if there's been contact. Wow. I could have used that actually in a material non-public information case that I did. But yeah, knowing that person A communicated with person B is huge without having to spend all the money of going and imaging their hard drives. You betcha. Wow. Cool. Very cool. It also replaces very laborious types of approaches to finding leaks out of a boardroom where you essentially sit with a, a big piece of paper and put the names of all the directors hmm. on one side and the journalists on the other side. Yeah. Do background checks on all of them and look for overlaps. And in the past, we've succeeded with that, but the manpower involved is incredible. But we found that one of the directors and one of the journalists went to Princeton together, were in the same year, and knew each other. So it can work the old-fashioned way, but it, it's a lot less labor-intensive doing it this way. Yeah, wow. And finally, location intelligence. And this one I found rather scary, frankly, <laughs> but it's working. Wow. It is scary, and I'm going to say a little less about the technology about this than I have about others, but it does use geostationary techniques. It aggregates cell phone data to try to pinpoint a cell phone of a person you're interested in and then follow that cell phone into another aggregated group of cell phones in another location. For example, people who have gone from their home sites to Washington on January 6th, that location intelligence is being used now by government investigators to try to find those people. For us, it's a little less sexy, but equally important. And it, it gets back to issues of trade secret theft or leak of secrets. And we can tell whether someone from your company has sat down with someone outside your company who should not have the information that they're getting. What I heard in that example was if you could have, let's just say whether it's my home address or the company had the home address, or if the company just looked at their corporate address and they could look at their competitor's address, you know, maybe 10 miles away, they could look at any cell phone movement from their corporate address to the competitor's address and lock in on that cell phone ID. Now, I wouldn't know the name because that's PII, but they could see that cell phone traffic was moving back and forth between the competitor and the company, right? Or is that a good example, maybe? Exactly. It's a great example. Wait, yeah. That's, that's awesome. Exactly. 
man, that sounds like that someone is an investigator. That just sounds like really cool capabilities. I can't wait to try this. So that's great. Now, again, I think you've described a lot of use cases for how these types of services are used, but maybe you can comment. What do you see most of the time our clients asking you to, to assist them with them on this? Is it asset tracing or investigatives or subpoenas? What's kind of driving a lot of this innovation on your it, end? It's all of the above, uh, Vince. The examples I gave were only scratching the uh, surface. Web intelligence, for example, is used by referees in bankruptcy who have the possibility of trying to claw back funds from any one of a large number of people, but they don't want to waste the, the bankruptcy funds. They want to try to uh, deal with only those people who have assets that are worthwhile. So in those cases, we're not so much searching for assets as we are assessing the level of assets so that the referee can call down a list of, say, 50 names to three or four or five who look like they're worth pursuing. Wow. Similarly, a divorce lawyer, we don't usually work in divorce cases, but we get the occasional very high net worth type of divorce. I'm now working a divorce case where a, a woman has been offered $1 billion she thinks she's entitled to several billion dollars. So all of the asset tracing and asset assessment tools like web intelligence and bank intelligence playing a major role in that divorce. Oh, yeah. Now, web, web intelligence is also of interest to uh, boards of directors and C-suite level people at companies. Because with web intelligence, they can pick up advanced intelligence. They can pick up chatter from the dark web and elsewhere about people thinking of doing a hostile takeover of their company, people thinking of doing an activist move on the company, another type of activist, public service type of activist who may be concerned with issues of environmental concerns and so on. There could be information about chatter there where those people are planning a major demonstration against your company. Right. There's really no end to the uses, particularly of web intelligence, because once you're talking about getting more intelligence, that can fuel every kind of decision you have to make in your company. Yeah. Well, and I'm just curious too, um, obviously data privacy is a topic that's so big. How are you managing kind of data privacy restrictions? Because I would think, you know, like the bank intelligence, searching for emails across all these banks, how is that not involving PII or personally identifiable information? Well, actually, I don't think it is, but how are we able to manage the privacy considerations for this? Yeah, for every one of these services, we have a, an opinion from a established law firm that they have looked into these and that we are not violating any rules and laws or, or ethical concerns. We are in no case piercing into the actual communications mm. of people. Mm -hmm. we, we are doing aggregation of data points. It's cool and it's fun and it's useful and it's legal and ethical. Yeah, no, that's cool. Well, we have time for one more question, 
and that is kind of what advice do you have legal and compliance and even investigative professionals as they think about enhancing their own capabilities either in-house or for law firms for the, for the clients that they service how can they enhance their game with some of these technologies well the people you've described certainly should be on the lookout and and open to learning about these new technologies they've got to be super super careful uh, some of the providers of these services are ex-government kind of cowboy types uh some spooky types and they they like to push the envelope and you, mm, you need mm -hmm. to be really careful that's the benefit of uh, acquiring these services through a firm like ours because you know that what we do is filtered through the ethical concerns that we have and the the people in charge of privacy at our company the people in charge of law and ethics in in our company are a wonderful protection uh, against overuse of right. these services right well ernie this has been a lot of fun and i can't wait to see more of this feel free for those interested in learning more ernie they can contact you directly right um, can you give Absolutely. out your your email address Absolutely. Ebrod, E-B-R-O-D, at Alvarez and Marcel.com. Yeah, and, and or just feel free to comment on the posts or uh, as you see this. So, and I'll, we'll put you in touch. But thank you, Ernie, for your time. And I'm uh, glad you could spend time with me on the pond. A lot of fun, Vince. Thank you All so right. much. All right. Take care. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Walden Pond Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review.